0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Joining me today in a conversation about how high-performing and not-performing teams can be very similar, friend of the pod, Justin Crosostimo, out of the SAP, ISBN, Enablement Operations, Agile Operations team. Justin, how are you? I'm doing well, Brent. How are you today? It's a day ending in Y. How could it be bad? And new, soon-to-be friend of the pod, out of the CXCOO communications learning and engagement team, our good friend Horace Tosca. Horace, hi, welcome. Hi,
1: and thank you for having me. I'm very oh, excited. That's great. I'm already Thanks. a friend of the podcast. I am already <laughs> listening to episodes. So I'm very happy to be here with you today.
0: I am I am so glad that you're a friend of as a listener and you're now a friend of the pod. So today we're going to have that conversation about how high-performing teams and barely forming or barely functioning teams can be similar. Justin, start us off, t- talk us through this.
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to one of the big things that st- stick out sticks out for me in this area is uh, shortcuts. So a non-performing team may miss things they should be doing. A high-performing team uh, will take a shortcut because they don't need to go the whole route. Um, and the analogy i would use for that because brent you know i love love a good analogy is a chef where a poor chef may forget to measure some ingredients and things turn out poorly Uh, whereas a very experienced chef doesn't measure ingredients because they know the recipe so well and they know how things are gonna are gonna act and behave and so by looking at a team on the surface by not engaging with them and making a judgment on that uh, i think we do a big disservice to the teams you work with interesting uh Haris, walk me through
0: how we were talking when we were doing a little prep for this, how you've been fortunate enough to basically be working with a lot of high-performing teams. Walk me through how it can be a challenge in trying to adjust that kind of thinking.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I had, I had the lack uh, so far. Um, I would say I was in high-performing teams because I never thought Uh, like saw any big issues in the team I was so so far so in in general I've been in two mainly in two teams at SAP I can really say something about the last team I was in and the new one that I'm currently um, and both of the teams we had our struggles it's not that we don't have struggles but I think at the end of the day the communication between the team is always very good the support between the team members is always very good we have our weekly meetings we have coffee sessions now during the pandemic especially where we just chat with each other we have cooking workshops we just had one two days ago <laughs> so i really liked uh, what you said justin because um, i can totally agree to that i'm cooking myself a lot and um I only agree, a good chef doesn't count anything and doesn't measure anything. And another one, maybe if he or she does not, then, well, I don't know if there will be food on the table at the end of the day.
0: (laughs) So I'm curious as to one of the points you made, Justin, where it's a high-performing team will take the shortcut, but the, the struggling team or a team that's not performing really well may miss it because they don't think they need it
2: they don't think they need it or or even are not aware of it completely Um, a good example of that is estimation Uh, so oftentimes we'll go into a newly formed team and one of the big unlocks for them is let's teach you some relative estimation practices let's get you a ruler that your team can start using to estimate future work well if you go in and, and you talk to a team and they say we don't we don't estimate And you don't look at anything other than that you might think oh this is one where i got to bring in these relative estimation practices and you may find out that they don't estimate because they have been together for a while they know their work so well that when they mention the type of work it is everyone understands what the effort and complexity is going to be and so they don't estimate because it's a waste of their time they're going to confirm what they already know versus discover something new so by saying oh you don't estimate let me set up a workshop for you. Um, You're wasting their time and yours.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to a stance that coaches have to take or new scrum masters for a team have to take is first you have to inspect the situation and adapt your thinking to that situation because it's not where, you know, if you just go in and go, okay, here's my playbook and my playbook always works. And it's like, dude, you haven't thought through the whole thing. Like you're not, you know, to use a phrase that we're all familiar with, you're not meeting them where they are. You're meeting them where you think they are. And you have to be able to say, oh, okay, you don't need this. Cool. It's so much better as a coach to be able to say, oh, you know, adjust on the go. And, you know, they may not need help in this, but they may need help in something else that they don't necessarily know that they need, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's,
2: I really like that, Brett, because you mentioned inspect and adapt, and oftentimes the inspect portion gets the short end of the stick.
0: Always, right? And I think that's that's a shortcoming that a lot of scrum masters and a lot of coaches, it, it's not a shortcoming. I think it's a place where you forget, right? You If you don't go in with the mindset of, I want to see what's going on before I have to fix it, I mean, because we've all had circumstances to where a... Uh, someone has told you something. Like I've used this story before where I was told by uh, muckety-muck that I needed to fix a team because they weren't performing in a way that they thought they should be performing. And so if I had gone in and actually took that to heart, I would have not been able to actually understand that the team was functioning really, really well. It's just that they weren't, messaging that high performance so you have to you have to be able to inspect the space that you're in and understand what's going on because were they perfect no did they have cha- did they have challenges yes but were they doing were they not performing in the way that they were perceived no they were actually doing exactly the opposite you just have to be able to adjust everyone's thinking Harris walk me through what you think a struggling team since you've been working with high-performing teams right how would how do you think you would want to work with a struggling team who was saying oh no no we got this it's all good Horace. you know we don't need to do those things that you think we need to do
1: so i will um i can give actually an example because i don't think that um my current team just to to give a an an overview the current team i am in is a very new put together team okay sure we came all from different um, organizations within SAP in March, April this year. And we somehow had to find each other, find our new roles, understand our new roles um, in during a pandemic without being able to meet with each other. So at the beginning, it was not easy. I have the feeling that um, like the communication at the beginning was not um, perfectly. I would say it was good, but it always could be better. So I saw the struggle there. Um, and back then I was not their manager yet. Um, our manager who is currently on, on uh, maternity leave was still there. And she tried, um, of course, to put us all together in the best way, like again, cooking workshops, etc. cetera. And then I joined the agile coaching and training community. Um, me myself <laughs> joined this community and then I was introduced into a tool called retrospective <laughs> retrospectives so after we had our first workshop which is, was very like in my team um very general workshop about what we're doing introducing in, introduce each other etc I said well in the second one we should maybe do a retrospective and see what have we done in the first, I think it was in the third month of, of the team being together. And um, from that point onwards, a lot of things changed. I saw that, um, and and I think this is a struggle that may uh, this kind of teams have, like not high performance or broken teams may have, the, the communication between people, so between the team members, so you know what the other team member is doing. Um, In this specific case, and in my team, everyone, almost everyone has a different project. And of course there are some connections between the projects, but we had cases where we sent out three different newsletters from our team the same day because the one team member didn't know that the other team member will send out a, um, a newsletter. So you got like CX got three newsletters at the same time for three different topics in in 3 hours let's say. In the in my last team on the other hand where we all had similar topics you didn't have this kind you always knew what the others were doing. You were always aware on what is happening. I think that one of the most important things and especially now during the pandemic is that the communication within the team is high so that they really communicate and talk to each other. And the second thing I would say is to respect each other. Sure. So these are, yeah. These are the topics for me, where I see if this does not exist, I would say a team could be broken from my side.
2: And in general,
1: not only in Scrum teams, not only for Scrum teams, but general, a team at work. Is it SAP? Is it another company, a team? Is it uh, like a football team or whatever, like a team in general?
0: <laughs> right. No, I think that brings up a good point. And, and Justin, I think you might a- agree with the sentiment is that you know it's good to reflect on scrum values because respect is one of the scrum values. But it's also, if you notice how a team can be, a team can be really high performing, but they still need to have things that they don't necessarily think they need. like. A team could have retrospectives even though they don't think they need them because it's good to actually go back and do the fundamentals every once in a while just get a team kickstarted.
2: yeah i think you bring up a good point brent um in that there is a line too where if you're coming into a team even with that open mindset even with that growth mindset that we always advocate for uh, you may see them as a high performing team seeing them take some shortcuts that they've legitimately earned through experience and miss that they're missing out on something retrospectives being a good example right so they don't estimate because they're so good they don't do retrospectives because they don't know about them so as a person coming in to work with this team to improve this team and help them and find the improvement it's it's on your shoulders to say oh okay uh is this because they tried it and don't need it is this because they've taken a conscious decision not to do this or is this a miss that where i can start adding some value by bringing it in and 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 i wanted to go back also to something harris is saying which is the communication aspect that is a great tell to know if you've got the broken team or the high performing team um there was an experience where we were starting to get involved in the team, and we saw so many red flags about the, the culture and possible psychological safety and conflicts of interest in the way they were set up, in the way that their uh, scrum master was talking about them. And we, we jumped to the wrong conclusion and thought, we're coming into this broken team. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. And when we got there, there was a high level of communication, a high level of trust, and it turns out this team is exemplary, not the best team we've ever seen, not there's nothing broken about them. But they were light years ahead of where we thought they were going to be. And that's actually what caused me to go to Brighton and say, I've got an, I've got this thing where I, we thought it was broken, but it actually is a high performing team and here's why. Um, and that communication was a huge part of why they are so high performing. So. I like that as an indicator, and, and maybe a first step for somebody who wants to know what they're dealing with. Start there. See how they communicate. See how freely information flows within the team.
0: So this is a great place for us to pause because I think what it boils down to is inspect and adapt, and communicate. Mm-hmm.
2: D- okay. Don't 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 shortchange inspect and communicate in inspect and adapt, right? Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't don't uh, don't try to abbreviate <clears throat> the inspect portion. And there's your lesson for the day.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Haris, I want to thank you for being on the episode. Uh, I think pleasure. you're going to be on more. This is going to be yes. fun. I, I'm so I I'm so it. glad you were here. <laughs> That's great. That's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Haris. I'm Justin. And until that next iteration, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us on mail at info at fasterthanstandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at FasterStandUp. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Stand-Up. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.